So how exactly does Simply Orange always taste so fresh and delicious? Well, we're prepared to share our secret recipe. Grab a pen. You ready? We start with oranges, and then we add nothing. Shocking, I know. Simply Orange. Honestly simple. How's that for unashamed product placement? Simply Orange. How many of you are Orange Juice fans? Orange Juice fans who have tried Simply Orange? How many of you like me think it's the best orange juice out there? <laughs> if you haven't, you got to try it. It's great stuff. Simply Orange. Little did you know you'd be let in on a product secret this morning. You would get the inside scoop on a corporation's success. Here it is. We take oranges and we add... Nothing. Simply orange, honestly simple. Oh great, we get an infomercial, we get a commercial when we come to be a part, gather with God's people to worship. I'm a fan of that stuff just because I like it, and then one time I saw that commercial and went, wow, it's really simple, it's profoundly simple. This morning I want to be an encouragement to you to make it really simple. You take Jesus and you add nothing. Nothing at all. If you could walk away with one thought today, it's Jesus, simply Jesus. It's the heart of it. It's what it's all about. Okay, I warned our tech team and be able to do this. I'm going to show, have them show the video again, the commercial again. But this time, remove the word orange and put the word Jesus in. And see if it intrigues you like it, like it does me. Okay. So how exactly does Simply Orange always taste so fresh and delicious? Well, we're prepared to share our secret recipe. Grab a pen. You ready? We start with oranges, and then we add nothing. Shocking, I know. Simply orange. Honestly simple. Simply Jesus. Honestly simple. That's the heart of it. How many of you have been watching the Olympics? How many wish you could have watched more Olympics and it wasn't ending soon? <laughs> How many of you don't even know the Olympics are on and wouldn't care if they were? <laughs> you, you watch this and you have that sense that it's nice to medal, but bronze is only bronze. And silver's good, but it's not gold. It's just not enough. If there could be more. Did you see the one? It was toward the beginning of the Olympics, and I think it was, it was the bicycle race, and I think it was an American who came in fourth place. And did you see the defeat? Just told, I didn't even get a medal. I came all this way, planned for four years, and it just wasn't enough. You're the fourth fastest in the world in what you do of 6.5 billion people, give or take a few Chinese. <laughs> 
another 100,000 since I just said that statement? And it's not enough. And yet at the same time, you see some who I believe it was Missy Franklin who got fourth place and was being interviewed. Am I right with her name, the 17-year-old? Who was being interviewed for getting fourth place one of her events and said, fourth place in the Olympics? That's not bad. Is it enough? What more do you need? Bronze, I made it to the platform. Silver's good, but gold is best. And I can understand, as you can tell by looking at me, you go, well, you're an athlete, Doug. You could truly appreciate this. And undoubtedly, you've competed at the highest levels of competition, <laughs> of not reaching that peak. But when is enough enough? And when is it, why are we a people that simply want to add on something, anything but simply more? This morning, that's my charge. It's my encouragement for you. What does it mean to be simply satisfied with Jesus plus nothing. Now, I don't make that as my statement, as my charge to you. I get that from the words from the Master. Let me draw your attention to that, if you're willing to take a look at that with me this morning. With a, with a heart for one, as we look at the, the heart of what matters most, and the heart of truth, and the heart of love, A chance to be with you last week, and I uh, guess the elders didn't get to me soon enough to cancel me, my schedule, so I appreciate being back with you. But did anybody move out last week? Anybody move out of the nation of condemn and move to be a citizen of the kingdom? Or at least have you been packing this week and realized there's no condemnation? And you know, a heart of love and a heart for love, there is pure acceptance, pure welcome. And this week, to simplify it, as I get a chance, privilege to be with you again, simply... Jesus. Jesus' words there in John chapter 15, if you have a Bible, you can turn to that, if you have, or if you have a Bible you need to turn on, you can go ahead and do that. Uh, for those of you smarter ones with the smarter phones and your smarter Bibles, you can go ahead and do that. John 15, verses 5 through 8. I want to share with you what I'm learning about the priority, and then I want to share with you the product. Well, great, Doug, we've already heard the commercial twice, plus product. I don't mean that product, but the product, what happens when there's a sweet fruitfulness that comes out of our lives when we simply focus on the priority. John 15, verse 5 through 8. Familiar territory for a lot of us who have been hanging around a church gathering for more than a few weeks. Catch the richness of this. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much, what? Fruit. Apart from me, you can do, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. For this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much, what? Showing yourself to be my, what? My disciples. That there will be a fruitfulness, a sweet aroma, a productivity, an attractiveness about your life that people will go, You've been following that Jesus person. 
And that comes out when we make it the priority of Jesus, simply Jesus. My friends, it's honestly that simple. Not per se that easy, but it's that simple and that clear. Jesus himself said, none can be my disciples. Not one of you can be a disciple who does not give up all, give up everything. It's following Jesus to the best that I know how. Now, here's a couple questions that I think of. One, is Jesus alone enough? Is Jesus simply Jesus enough, or is there some sense of Jesus plus, Jesus with, Jesus and the blessings of? For me, this is something that's not, as I've shared with you, I have a chance to be with you two other times. I've shared with you, I'm not bringing a shtick that I pulled out of the fob, blew the dust off, and thought, well, this one works. I'm a, a fellow journeyman in this process, what it means to be following Jesus. I may have shared with you a few weeks ago, I've got a couple people that were on a journey together and trying to gather together down a little bit further south. I live in Orange County. I was born, raised, and demented in Orange County in the land of the oranges behind the orange curtain. It's a whole weird world in and of itself, and that's what, and we're trying to figure out what it means in the midst of this weird world. Don't look at me too weird because you've got some weirdness up here in the suburb of LA. I know you do because I'm looking at it somewhat here. And there's the elements of what we suburban Southern California people experience. I was raised in the midst of that, in the middle of that. As we're gathering together, one of our, our friends is part of our leadership team. He has said to our gathering, he said, you know, I'm a pretty good Christian. As a matter of fact, I'm a really good Christian. He said, I, I could go varsity. I said to him, I said, you could go pro. You're really good at that. He said, but when it comes to following Jesus, I feel like I'm in preschool. And that's been for us like, wow. I shared with you when I first came a few weeks back that I'm, I'm trying to stop doing things that Jesus didn't command me to do, like stop trying to be a Christian. And I'm trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, simply Jesus. So from the heart with that, I ask myself as well, is Jesus alone enough? It's a conversation I'm having with some people, and we're trying to have a really candid dialogue about that. Instead of going, of course, sure, yeah, that's why we're here. And we go, well, maybe, I think. Interestingly enough, when the Hebrew people left Egypt and traveled with Moses, the great leader, into the promised land. They didn't go empty-handed, but they brought some things with them. There came a time and point where Moses had been camping out, went on a, on a trip to the mountains and come back for a while, and they weren't sure what's going on, so they thought, forget this, let's try and do this our way. And so they, they created a kind of an idol or an image that they would follow. Help me recall that story. What did they make that out of? Gold. And what was the gold from? Earrings, jewelry, statues, idols, treasures and idols. We're following the great leader Moses. He has decimated the Pharaoh. He's just leveled the land. We're following him into God's promised land. Honey, what? Make sure you bring the idols from Egypt. I don't know why I think that a Jewish person would be from New York who was with the Hebrew people going out of Egypt. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. What? Well, bring the idols. We may need them. You never know. And so what do they do? They pack their idols and bring them with them. As you and I are on a journey to the promised land, what if we tucked under our arm just in case it's not enough? 
Is Jesus alone enough? Is one of the questions that I'm asking myself. And here's the second one I want to ask you. So if he is, who knew that? Who knew that Jesus alone was enough? Now, class participation, because I did this with you last week, and uh, I'm not a candidate, by the way, so I can do these things and just get thrown out or not invited back. But here's the class participation question. Who knew that Jesus alone was enough? Who encountered him? Think of people who encountered Jesus when he walked the earth. Who comes to mind that you say they had a sense that who he was and what he was about, that was good for them? Who do you think of? Woman at the well. James. Mary, Martha's sister, who wasn't up busy doing things, sitting down and serving, because she had a sense that I, I could be throwing this great feast. Festival, make sure my hospitality gift is well used, because that's what I do when I serve in this congregation. I'm using our giftedness, because we have class on how to use our spiritual gifts. But her, for enough, was to just sit down and say, it's about this. And what was Jesus' response to her? I'm putting you on the spot, but you can preach from here on out, and I'll just sit down. <laughs> His response, he responds to Martha, and what's he say to Martha about Mary? Yeah, you're worried about the other stuff, and for Mary, what? She's chosen the... Let me paraphrase the Greek original language. She gets it. Mary, anybody else that you think of who encountered Jesus that for them... Roman centurion. A few of you. You know, what's interesting with that story, and this is so powerful when we go back and think, and look at, reread people who encountered Jesus and what they experienced in the Jesus they saw. And his response, you know, I, I command, I have authority, I tell people, go do this, go do that, and do that. If you simply, by your authority, say, my servant will be healed, it will be done. And Jesus turns around to all these religious people and his disciples who were following him, and they had no clue what was going on. They just but compelled to follow. And in the midst of that, Jesus says... What? Nowhere in all of Israel have I, what? Found faith like this guy. What's that Greek phrase that he used again? He gets it. It's one of the few times that you see Jesus say, or it says about Jesus, he was amazed. Imagine that you and I were so focused on him being alone enough that he's amazed at our focus. That would come out of a non-religious culture environment. Maybe that's your background. Maybe the whole idea of following Jesus is new to you. But you're so compelled to be all about him that people look at you and go, he or she has a faith that amazes me. And Jesus looks at this Roman centurion who's not a devout Jew who was finding the Messiah in the Christ. He just knew who Jesus was and said, who you are and what you say is enough for me and the people I laid. And Jesus said, now you amaze me. As we look at that, for me, I think, who for them was Jesus enough? Interesting, in John chapter 21, Peter, through the end of his days, when Jesus is telling him about it, compelling him and saying, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, lead them, feed them, and take care of them, Peter has a question. He says, but what about, what, do you remember that story? What about, John, what about, what about them? And what's Jesus say in response to that? You didn't know your Sunday school lessons would be coming into uh, to use today. What's Jesus saying in response to Peter? If I want to have them live forever, what does it to you? Yeah, if I want them to live forever, what is that to you? Peter, don't worry about all of them and all this stuff. It's about you 
feeding and loving my sheep in the way and response of love to me. Peter, it's right here. Jesus, simply Jesus. Is Jesus alone enough for me? For whom was it enough that they said, yes, I agree with that? Now, with that conversation, here's another question I'll throw at you. What are the additives that we add on to Jesus? What are the preservatives? The supplements. What's that? Accolades. Accolades? Okay. Any other? And this really is, this is your takeaway question for my encouragement for you to consider today. Structure. Structure. Liturgy. Liturgy. How we do what we do when we get together to do what we do and how we do it. And how we do that becomes a defining point that others are defined either in or outside of that. Denominations, how we group together in a belief system. Legalism, the shoulds and the should nots, and how it should be done. Any other things that you feel like that we, not you, but your spouse or your friend sitting next to you, (laughs) speak on their behalf? Justice. Justice, interesting. Uh, This is the right thing, and this is how it should be done. My guess is it's saying, go ahead, what? Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. (laughs) I'm sorry, Chad brought us back to the 80s. I went further back beyond that worship experience. Back. Interesting with that, how I feel about who Jesus is and what Jesus does for me. Unpack that for a moment, if not for a week. And be like me and realize, my goodness, so much of my physical and emotional feelings, my satisfaction, my comfort, or my emotional well-being, so drives what it means for me to follow Jesus. And whether or not he is powerful in my life is how I feel in response to that. I don't know about you, but my heart and my body, I'm learning more and more, derive so much of what I'm about. So for me, it's Jesus plus great relationships with people who like me. Or Jesus plus Maui. <laughs> it's just me. I could be in the Pili Bay right now. Not that I wouldn't want to be. You can come with me. But to be there, be walking on the beach with my bride now of 30 years. I shared that with you last week. Just the two of us walking and our kids and their kids are on another island somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> There's a leper colony in Molokai. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just just came out. I've shared with some of you how many bodies we have in our house. and what. But I want to add that on as more as opposed to just in this moment right here, right now, that Jesus is enough. I think about this. What are the additives we add to Jesus? I think about a preferred priority over Jesus. Secondly, I think about a sacred substitute for Jesus. And this is kind of a weird way to think, but an additive is this sometimes when I leave Jesus behind. And what he has been was enough, and now I'm going off on my own and moving from there. Think of how we organize it. Some of you have referenced that, how we organize when we get together to be Jesus followers and start defining this is what it ought to be, and it becomes the definition of this, of this case. I had a conversation with someone recently. I said, what if we shut down the organized church for three years? And we couldn't gather for three years and do our liturgy couldn't be denominations, couldn't practice out and believe our doctrines for the sake of living justice and and doing right and good things. But what if we shut down the organized church? What do we do? I don't know, spend the next three years 
following Jesus, walking with each other, and seeking him to lead out in what he'd have you do. I thought of that, and I thought for some places that could be the healthiest thing they do. We're just going to shut down the organized effort, and we're just going to simply follow Jesus. You go, well, but, but how, how? It'd be so much like what Jesus did for three years plus. Now he orbited around the synagogue. He moved in and out of the temple, and that there wasn't that there wasn't the organized religious pursuit of faith. But Jesus orbited around those, as opposed to make that the primary thing. What, what would happen if we just? Did, and what things would not start back up three years later because we realize those have been more about us as additives than they've really been about simply Jesus, following Jesus. I'm not saying that we should. I'm wondering how much it would help if some did. We'd reorganize. There should be a case of that. I know some folks are gathered to do church and frankly, some of us don't do church very well. So the very thing we're together for, we're, we're doing badly. So we should probably just stop and figure out what is Jesus simply Jesus. Because I look at that scripture that Jesus spoke to us. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I heard it phrased this way. Jesus plus something, anything, is nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus himself said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You and I, honestly, with an intellectual integrity, we go, well, we can actually do a whole lot, and we do. What if I define so much of what I do as really nothing meaningless because I've gone beyond Jesus, I've added to Jesus, I've put a sacred priority, a sacred substitute for him, I've left him behind, and really what I'm accomplishing is, is worth nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you abide in me and remain in me, and stay in me, and my words stay in you, and you make this all about me, you can ask for what? What's he tell you? Everything. And what do you get? Everything. Apart from me, you get nothing. With me, as you bite in me, you get everything. Such a deal. I've got to figure out how to do that part. But it's amazing what happens to me when I come to him and say, you know, Lord, I'm bringing additives and preservatives and supplements, and it's not been honestly simply about you. And even when I gather with other people in your name, we, we add stuff. And will you forgive me of that and make my heart to be about what you want it to be about? And I just want to camp out and stay with you, for you, by you. And through that, whatever happens, I'm trusting you're big enough to make it happen. And as it starts to happen, I'll participate in that. You know, it's interesting, my heart changes. And what I want changes. And my wanter is different. So when I'm seeking him for everything that I want, I realize I want different things now because I've backed away from what matters most to me and got rid of all those things and made it simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But when you remain in me, the fruit that's produced brings glory to whom? Who's it bring glory to when the fruit comes out of our lives? To God, to the Father. The Father looks good. People look at us and go, whoa, that's impressive. And you go, it's not me. You've known my life. My story has changed now because I've made it simply about Jesus. And he's producing some people who go, where do you get this? Where do you learn this? Let me tell you about my mentor, my coach, my leader. 
He's a small business owner out of, you know, 2,000 years ago, a Jewish carpenter turned public speaker rabbi. And I'm trying to do the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. The most difficult thing I've ever done, I'm trying to follow his ways and teaching. That's what I'm doing. Well, your life's different. No glory to me, it's glory to the Father who Jesus knows who he is and his love he has for us and I trust Jesus so I'm trusting him. Can I learn more about this guy? Are you with people who are trying to figure out how to do that? I am. You want, we gather on a Sunday morning in this place over in Agoura Hills. You want to come with us? And then all of a sudden, simply Jesus as we go to his words and hear this. If we don't see Jesus, I've come to realize we won't believe him. If we don't believe him, he alone won't be enough. Let me share that again. If we don't see Jesus, we won't believe him. If we don't believe him, he alone, he's not going to be enough. Psalm 23 is, John, listen to the time of worship, then we responded by singing a Psalm 23 worship response. What's the opening phrase of that psalm that's become so significant to so many followers of God and Jesus? The Lord is my shepherd. I, I don't have to want, need, desire, crave, long for something that's added to that. He's simply enough. And then what does he do? He makes me lie down and rest. He brings green pastures. He brings water. He starts restoring my soul. He guides me in a right way to go, in a righteousness way for his name's sake. I'm, I'm making better decisions. Some of you are walking through a valley of the shadow of death right now. Maybe literally, maybe economically, maybe relationally. And that shadow is just so heavy. You think, when will this ever be cleared up? The Jesus, simply Jesus, I can't do anything about this, Lord, apart from you. So I'm going to just stay with you and be honestly, simply about you. Trusting that you'll bring about a change, you'll bring about results, and you'll carry me through this. And maybe someday for those people who are causing harm and hurt in my life, I'll be in their presence and I'll have a sense of anointing from you in the presence of people who've been trying to hurt me. Maybe even we'll go as far as the presence of my enemies. You ever think about Jesus says about our enemies? He has a plan to get rid of every one of your enemies. And if you're like me, you're like, yeah, bring it on. Ground and pound, baby, here it comes. Jesus says, what do we do with our enemies? Love them. And pray for those who... Oh, great plan for my enemies. He starts changing our hearts. And we start praying for different things. And what we pray for, we get because our hearts have changed because it's been simply about him. What if, it, Lord, you've prepared a place for me, a table for me in the presence of my enemies? They're my friends because I've built a relationship that my love has gotten rid of all the enemies because of the love that God has for me. Talk about fruit in our lives. Wow. And then God gets the glory through that. Last week, I had some moments to share with you about John 3.16 and how I learned so much more about those simply profound words. A love that God has so much for us that to believe in Jesus is to believe the love the Father has for us, to believe what Jesus has done out of that love and then believe what Jesus says how to live is, is really the right way to do life, that fruit, sweetness, aroma, a life worth living will come out of that. There's a phrase that I came across, a description of that. I've shared this with some of you, and I know this is a gentleman that has spoken some truth and wisdom into your congregation and folks within your congregation, a man named Dallas Willard. 
as I share with you, it's teaching from my wife and I and helping understand who this master Jesus has been so significantly influential. It's so in, inspired me to simplify and follow Jesus, and it's ruined my ministry. It's just ruined everything we've been trying to do, why we did what we do, and just stuff that I've added on that I don't need, I can get rid of. So with that, in, that introduction, that wonderful introduction, John 3.16, whoever believes in him, John tells us, as the words of Jesus, puts his confidence in him. Does God really love the world, and did he act in the world by giving his son? I mean, really? If that's true, everything has changed. If that's true, I can trust God with everything. I don't have to run my life, fight for my life. I can release my life into God's hands and trust him. Jesus. Simply Jesus. The more I'm learning about this master teacher, the more I'm learning that Jesus is simply profound. What he said, what he did, how he saw life, how he saw the world, how he saw the beautiful world, and the world that we see as such destructive, disastrous world that he saw the power and presence of his Father. Simply profound, and at the same time, my friends, I've learned that Jesus is profoundly simple. He says, follow me. Stop adding on, stop building. Just Jesus, simply Jesus. What does that mean for you? And what does that look like in our lives? What fruit is produced that people look at us and say, you're changing, you're different. How are you becoming who you're becoming? Students come back from Hume Lake. They've heard a gospel message of life and hope and joy and forgiveness, get rid of the shame and find a life worth living as a teenager. Maybe some for the first time and they respond and say, Jesus, you're now in charge. And they come back and people look at their lives and go, parents look at their lives and they go, hey mom, you want me to take the trash out? And they go, what? What happened to you? And just realize it's not about me. Maybe I actually serve my family. Maybe you can be thankful for all the things you do for me and take the trash out. Oh my gosh, I love camp. <laughs> I love the youth group. Can you take your father to camp next time? <laughs> the fruit starts coming out in our lives, and people go, where did that come from? It's about Jesus and simply Jesus with no add-ons. Maybe for you, it's a matter of getting out of the fast lane and merging into the way of Jesus. It's a merge right. It's the right way to do it. Now, interesting, as you come on a freeway, there may be one in our area where it's maybe just a 101 or somebody come on a freeway, but this is not a freeway entrance sign. That's what some students did last week at Hume Lake. They've entered the freeway in the way of following Jesus. This is moving from what lane to merging the traffic? Which one is it? It's the fast lane. It's the diamond lane. It's the lane that says, get out of my way. I'm really important. I got somewhere to go. And what if we, as I was coming up from the demented place of Orange County today, screaming down the, I was screaming, it was about legal speed, about legal speed, a little <laughs> confession in there. But I wasn't late, I was okay. It was a beautiful drive through the 101 and wonderful LA this time of year. It's moving from the diamond lane, the fast lane, the number one lane where Doug's in charge, Doug's moving, Doug's true. And what if I was to merge and say, Jesus, this is no longer about me and my space, my speed, my control, my way. It's now about you. It's about you. Because I'm learning apart from you, I can do 
Nothing. Oh, I can do some things. Even when I organize with other people, I do some things, but they're, they're futile. They're add-ons, they're preservatives. You taste it and go, ah, this isn't very good. What did you put in here? Instead of honestly, simply, the fruit of what God does in our lives. The merge, for you to merge, what does it mean you're getting, letting go of, moving out of, what lane, what pace, what decisions, what relationship, what addiction? Where does that strike you? If that's the priority, my friends, here's some thoughts I have for you. What about the product? What is the product, the fruit of our lives? And what does that look like when we say yes to Jesus, simply Jesus? John 15, verse 7 and 8, we read that before. They come back to that. And what happens when we live simply Jesus? Our lives produce a fruit that will last. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. And verse 16 that's added to that. If you remain in me and abide in me, and my words remain in you, abide in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. For this of my Father brings glory to my Father. You will bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And a little bit later, he says in verse 16, You didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you. You should go and bear what? Fruit. And your fruit shall remain. It will be fruit that will last. And again, he says, Ask whatever you want in my name, in my name, the name of Jesus, and the Father will give for you. Our lives become fruitful, and people want to know why, how, who. And you tell them your story. The fruit that will last. What does fruitful look like? And how does fruit happen? Fruit, when your life becomes more about simply Jesus because you realize he's the master teacher, creator, sustainer, everything that exists came through him, he stains it, he brings it to the end, to the, to the peak that's it's worth trusting, that our life is we simply trust in him, make it about him, our lives change, and we become different. The fruit that will last, we become more like Jesus. How does that fruit happen? What does he say in verse 7 and 8? What's the guidance there? The fruit that will come out and bring glory to Father? How does that come about? Where does that come from? Jesus. And what do we do? What's our job? To abide, to remain, to stay. My job is to be a branch. That's what I'm all about, to be a branch. So my friends, if there's a fruit that will last, that becomes attractive to people... Why do I add on? For you this morning, here's a consideration. Do you desire to simply be about Jesus and only Jesus? Because Jesus alone is enough for you. Like me, what have you added on? This morning, and sitting in front of you in a little pocket, there's an index card. If you were to take this morning, take this out and write the one thing that you feel like you've added on that's a substitute for something in place of something getting away or something that leaves Jesus behind. What would you write right there? What's the one thing you would write? What's your add-on? Maybe it is that relationship doing the wrong way. Maybe it is that desire for something to happen in someone else's life. Maybe that's an economic reality. Whatever it is, if you were to write down that one thing and say, you know, Jesus, 
For me, this is really my attempt to make sure you do what I need to do. This is what I brought out of Egypt that I'm carrying with me, just in case. What would that be? And if you were to write that down, would you be willing to give that to Jesus and say, I'm done, and in exchange for that, take a fruitful life, take a life that's becoming more like Jesus, that all of a sudden the things that you really want because your wanters changing are starting to happen? What a deal. I get rid of what I'm hanging on to and I take the fruit of a life worth living, a life of abundance. For me, Doug Webster, I wrote your response is my add-on. Now, I don't know you very well, and some of you I've got to meet a little bit for a period of time, but it's amazing how important your response is to me as a speaker, as a person, as a leader. I just judge so much by that. The response of my wife my kids, that they like me, they're happy, they're pleased with me, that people like me more than that, probably that they're impressed, that I'm a gold medal winner in their minds. That, that's Doug. I don't know your stuff. That's me. Your response. I talked with a guy who's really smart who had initials at the end of his name recently in, in a counseling conversation, and I said, here's where I get stuck. He said, Doug, what if you had an unattached response to people and you could love them in the way that God loves them, be unattached to their responses? Like, oh my gosh. I don't know how to do that. Well, Jesus does, and he can help you figure out how to let that go. Your response. Something silly we're doing in our little gathering back in the demented land down there, we don't count how many people who show up. We've just been meeting for about four months, but we've just decided not to count heads. Why? Because guys like me, my add-on, that's like my crack cocaine. I'm like, how many are here? Yeah! or uh, less than last week, I'm not doing well. And that's me, folks. And for a lot of us who are in this business, we're driven by ambition, and we measure our success by how many of you show up again. Especially you start talking about me going, hey, that guy came, I liked him. We ought to bring more people. All of a sudden, I don't need Jesus anymore because I got your response. For me, that's the place where I go, Lord, do I let that go? And whatever does or does not happen, I trust that you're big enough to do what you're going to do in someone's life. If you were to write your add-on, what would it be? And are you willing to take that to Jesus and say, I let it go because I want a fruitful performance, response, change in my life because of you and God gets the glory, not me. And here's the final question. If Jesus is alone, alone is enough for you, is Jesus alone enough for the people you love? Is he alone enough for the people you love? That I can even write down the names of my kids and people I know and love and say, Lord, I'm trusting you with them. My daughter, who's a single mom who just moved out 10 days ago, I go, okay, Lord. When she shared some hopes and disappointments with us, what we have and have not done, and I go, okay, I need to be more of Jesus for her. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. Doug, my Lord is saying, do you think that I can be enough for your daughter? And I may not use you to be all things that she needs me to be. Whew. Maybe for you, you're writing down the name of someone and letting them go. Because apart from him, nada, zip, zero.
Zilch. Nothing. Jesus. Simply Jesus. Talk to him with me, would you please? Lord, this morning as a people who gather in your presence. You know, if my friends are human like I am. We come in here packed and stacked with things in our bags, our backpacks, things strapped to our camels that we brought with us just in case. We're open for more. Just in case you need a little help to accomplish your will. But Lord, we, we desire a life that, that you're enough. I sense that people who gather today want a life of fruitfulness, of a sweet aroma. They want love and joy and peace. They want more patience and kindness in their lives. Like me, they want to know a goodness. They want to be more faithful and reliable to people in our lives. We, or we want a self-control. We don't do and say things that we wish we didn't do and say. That's the fruit. We want to be more like you, Lord. Lord, my friends here come to see that you would be enough. Speak to us for those things that I know for me, the response of strangers and loved ones as well. It's so important that they like me, they're pleased, they want to come back and be with me. But I'm trying to let that go to let you do what you're doing in their hearts and growing me up in the process. Because of your love for us, remind us that you alone, you're enough for me. And you're enough for the people that I love, that I want so much them to know you. Forgive me when I forget. Receive me back by your amazing grace. And hear my words declare that, Jesus, your grace is enough. Amen and amen. You've just made a declaration of what matters most. It's Jesus, simply Jesus. You're all I need. You're all I want. And all of you, is, it's only enough. It's, it's more than enough. For every thirst, everything I long for. What are you holding near to you that you're at on? Would you be willing to let that go? That person go, that hope go, that action go, that need go, and just say, Jesus, today I'm making it about you. Well, this morning, by way of response and worship, because this is between you and your Jesus, I want to invite you to let it go. We've created an altar this morning that you're invited to come up to and during time of a little bit more worship. It'd be courageous enough to say, it's no longer what I do and what I want, because that's nothing for Jesus about what you want, that you'd be willing to come forward and take whatever you've written down or whoever you've written down and come and leave it in an offering up front. In exchange, take the sweet fruit of the creation of our God's hand to remind you of the sweet fruitfulness, the change he wants to bring in you that people will notice, they'll smell, they'll see, they'll be attracted to. Leave behind the add-on and, and take the fruit to remind you 
Jesus, you're enough for me. Maybe this week you'll drive around until that thing starts rotting in your car. Maybe you'll put it home on a dresser or a mirror. Maybe you'll go buy a bushel of oranges and feed the family to remind you that Jesus is enough for your family. So you're invited to come to the orchard of the gardener, the vine dresser. And leave behind for me much as I've come to appreciate you, your response today is not as important as it needs to be. I'm letting that go. And I'm going to take a gift to remind me that he's enough. So in response, if you desire, come forward and place your offering. Lord, this, we're your people. And now on behalf of a body of believers, who together we've just said, you're, you're not only enough, you're, you're more than enough. And you're more than enough to lead this congregation, this body that's following you. What an incredible gift that you've given them to trust you a little bit longer without a designated lead person. I know it's easy for me to say, but they're led by people who are following you. You're given another season to trust you as the chief shepherd, as the head pastor. You're given more time to work in the heart of someone that you're calling to be here so their heart is more focused, more ready. Maybe you're clearing out some things in someone's life or a family's life that they're just not ready today or next week. Pour out an incredible faith on this leadership team, the elders, the staff, the pastors, to be lead followers and following forward. And those in the congregation and the community will say, boy, you still trust Jesus even though you don't have the designated appointment. We do, because it's all about you, Lord. And then pour out your blessing to an incredible work this community in this world will hear of the name of Jesus. And people will be drawn to you and some more drawn to this place because they've made it about you. That's offered in the powerful name of Jesus, confidence, and I can't wait to see what you're going to do in and through them.